Welcome back to another episode of Mentored Minds. Today, I am very excited to chat with Sabina about the National Science Foundation Graduate Research Fellowship Program that I was fortunate enough to receive this week. I talk about five main tips that helped me create my application submission, specifically regarding my personal statement. For those that are new here, I am a second-year computer science PhD student at Florida International University, and I am the co-host with Sabina to provide that academic perspective on this podcast. And right before we dive into this topic, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed this episode. Thanks and enjoy. Good afternoon. Hi, Shayla. How you doing? Hey, how are you? I'm doing okay. You know, a lot going on, making moves, figuring out my priorities. You know, everything is, it's going. It's just one of those weeks, you know, it's going. I feel you. I feel you. But to keep it on a more positive note, what was your win of the week? That was hard this week. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was a hard week. So let me, do you want to go first while I think? I think I need a simmer on this one. Okay. Well, my win of the week is easy. It's what we're t- going to be talking about today. It is that I was notified that I received a very prestigious fellowship that I applied to a long time ago and worked very hard to get. I'm so proud of you, Shayla. I am so proud of you. I hope you take a second to realize how amazing you are. No, I mean, when I when I found out, I was in shock for probably the whole day. Like, I couldn't believe it. And then I had moments of extreme gratefulness. Like, I feel very grateful for um, all the people that have helped me because obviously this was a lot of hard work, but I also had a lot of help and support. And so I felt very grateful. No. (laughs) And we'll talk about it later. But you, you are amazing. You alone, you know, anyways, we'll we'll get to that in a second. (laughs) Okay, Um, okay, so I'll say my win of the week, I will say I uh, did a, a, a demo talk thing at work that I've done a million times before, but I did it to like a women in tech form. And that was really fun because I got a lot of women who, while they are technical, they're not necessarily like machine. <laughs> yeah, your shirt. Women are incredible. <laughs> and you felt it. I, I don't know how to describe it, but you felt that the vibes on the call were very curious, very open to learn more, right? Like you, you felt it. And uh, while they weren't like machine learning experts, they were following along during the demo. So like afterwards during discussion, they were like, how do I get to X, Y, Z page that you were on? Or can you explain how I should interpret this? Cause I was, and it's really, really great when you have an engaging audience, it just, it makes it feel worth it. So I guess that's my win of the week. I had a pretty good uh, presentation and, and that feels nice. That's awesome. But this week Shayla has the win of the podcast. <laughs> no, no. You do. And I think uh, because I, I, I do think this is the win of the podcast thus far, we want to walk you through what a fellowship is, some of the amazing accomplishments that Shayla has had here and um, just her breakthroughs, right? So we're going to talk about it. She's going to leave this conversation because she's really our, consider her our guest, our, our guide <laughs> through this journey. So Shayla, I'm going to just kick us off. Can you kind of tell me a little bit about what a fellowship is and kind of just to, uh, you know, appease my curiosity, is it a scholarship? when when is it different so a fellowship is very much like a scholarship in that a lot of the times it does come with some sort of financial aid or money attached to it and that could be through tuition like tuition is covered or it can be living expenses or 
things like that. But some sort of money aspect is attached to both scholarships and fellowships. The difference between a fellowship, I think, is that it doesn't always necessarily have to be attached to money. It can be other kinds of awards that are helpful for academia. So let's let's talk about fellowships, right? So we know scholarships mean money, right? <laughs> we, we totally get it to buy your textbooks. Now, what are some kinds of either allocations that are different for fellowships? Like usually when I think of a scholarship, I think, okay, I'm going to get my, my books paid off. Maybe I'll get my housing paid off and my tuition. Is it different for, for a fellowship? So when I received the scholarship, for me, in my experience, it was like one lump sum that I can use towards school. For the fellowships that I've received, I've received money for living and then separate funding for tuition. But then also one of them, the GEM Fellowship, has an internship that we can complete with it as well. Oh, and I think that fellowships, I almost forgot, also give you sometimes like travel funding for if you want to go to conferences and stuff like that. I think in terms of, from my experience, I've heard it more just in the context of graduate school. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. When I think of a fellowship, I usually tend to think graduate school. I'm not uh, an expert on fellowships, I can't say, (laughs) right? But I I, I did say. (laughs) So kind of just to summarize what you were saying, it seems like really uh, a fellowship can have a broader scope right? We can get uh, a little bit of budget or funding for traveling, for conferences, speaking opportunities, learning opportunities, living, right? If, it, if it's included, the classical scholarship related things, so books, tuition. And then finally, one cool part of it is kind of this job opportunity or this research internship kind of uh, co-op, we'll call it. Um, so those are kind of the, the different components that could potentially make up a fellowship, yeah. correct? Yeah, I think so. So Shayla, can you tell us a little bit about um, some of the stats for, can you tell me the name of this fellowship again once more? Yeah. So it's the National Science Foundation Graduate Research Fellowship Program. Okay. So for this fellowship, can you give us some numbers? Because I think for this fellowship that you won, you know, I, I mentioned that it's prestigious, but can you help us understand how many people apply to this scholarship? How many people get it? And, you know, one thing you and I talked about is you, you weren't really all that confident that you were going to get it just because of some of the stats that you had. Can you kind of share that? And and I think it really inspired people who are in similar shoes as you. Yeah, absolutely. So this fellowship accepts about 2000 students, which sounds like a lot, but there are, I think, around 13,000 applications every year. And it's very competitive because of the amount of money that it gives students. So the total award amount that I have here is $138,000 for three years. And the reason why I didn't think I was going to get the fellowship was because it's been known or there's the stigma that it's for more elite universities. So for Ivy League's top universities, those are the ones that typically get it because there's a lot of, of that in academia. Like, for example, I have a statistic here from Wikipedia that says that in 2019, 31% of the grads were awarded to students of only 10 elite academic universities. So 31% of those 2,000 students just went to like top 10 schools. And 14% of the 2,000 were awarded to just top three, like Berkeley, MIT, Stanford. And also not to mention that very little Hispanic. Diversity. Overall. Diversity yeah, no, in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's it's been a problem where, you know, the distribution of the amount of grants perpetuates inequality in science. And that's a whole other topic. But all of this, you know, coming from FIU, which is a public state university, you know, I was like, you know, it's it's gonna be harder for me to 
get it, even though I, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the perception that you went in with, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, imposter syndrome and all of that too. I'm just saying it's, I think that if anybody's listening to this and they're considering it, I say just, just to go for it. Even when I didn't get it the first time, I learned a lot about writing a research proposal, which you have to do if you're in graduate school for other reasons. And that is very helpful. Cool. And uh, so I guess my next question is like, if I, you know, I'm interested in pursuing my, my graduate degree, how do I get started with one of these fellowships? What's the process for applying like, and what are some things you had to consider in your application? Okay. So for fellowships, there's a lot of different kinds of fellowships. There are some that you can apply when you graduate with your bachelor's and you're going to graduate school. So for example, the one that I'm that I received now recently, it's called the National Science Foundation Graduate Research Fellowship Program. And it has like two different phases. So you can apply as a undergraduate going into grad school, or you can apply as a second year graduate student. It depends on where you are in your graduate school, where you would kind of look for different kinds of fellowships. In either case, you're going to need to write a personal statement for all of these. Some of them will require a GRE score. All of them require transcripts, resumes, CVs, stuff like that. Letters of recommendation are very important. But the thing that probably requires the most time and effort for the application itself would be the personal statements or research proposals that come along with these applications. So you you mentioned two documents here. And for those of us who are not the most familiar with you know, the whole graduate program. And I kind of started to pursue this. So you kind of, I remember back in college, you, you had told me a little bit about these topics and I actually wrote my own personal statement. But at the time I didn't really understand what a personal statement was, uh, what it's used for, how to uh, go ahead and properly compose one. And also, um, you know, I've never written a research proposal for this kind of application, right? So it'd be great if you could go a little bit into detail. What is your personal statement? What are the parts it's composed of? And some guide that you might have for someone who wants to write one. Okay. So when you apply to these fellowships or scholarships, for both this applies because for some scholarships, you do have to write a little personal statement as well. The thing that varies is the the length of it. But in either case, all of these kinds of things that I'm going to say apply. For a personal statement, what you are trying to do is sell yourself as an individual, a scholarly individual, so that they believe in your ability to to succeed in your career. And so what you do is you present yourself as a person with all that you have been able to accomplish thus far to kind of back up yourself. Um, Whereas a research proposal would be you presenting a project idea and you have to kind of present it with the background of the area what you want to do, and how it will be beneficial to the research community. In short, that's what those two different ones are. Now, since the research proposals are kind of specific, I think that in this episode, we can talk more about the personal statement, because those are the things that I think I can talk generally about that could be helpful for others. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Do you mind if I ask one question uh, just before you go? Because I think we're all excited to hear your guide, because I know when I was writing this... (laughs) I definitely got stuck a lot. I was very much like, what should I write and what shouldn't I? But before we do, uh, we recorded, I believe, we recorded an episode, maybe one of our first episodes, and it was like, how to sell yourself, right? Like how to tell Very relevant. Okay, that, that's my question. Like how, how many parallels can you draw between the tell me about yourself 
pitch that you should have ready and your personal statement. And uh, how do they differ, right? Like what should you emphasize more in this personal statement versus your about me? Just so that uh, maybe we could use your, your pitch if you guys already have that as a starting point for your personal statement, but you know where to go further, right? For sure. So I think that the only difference that I can think of off the top of my head is that the tell me about yourself when you're introducing yourself to like a recruiter or something is that it should be very tailored to the job that you're applying to. And it's not like your whole story. Whereas in this case, for this personal statement, for this fellowship, it's like my whole story. Yeah, I think it's just more general. My personal statement is more general and it's not like tailored to a specific job position or like if I know I'm going to be more technical and less customer facing I'll brag a little bit more about my technical stack right like it's just me across the board consistent yeah yeah because like in mine so I had to talk about the intellectual merit which is like my my smarts or how capable I am of doing things but also I had to do broader impact as an individual which is you know my goals to impact society you know it's very vague and so I came about it from a mentor like I want to be a source of representation to mentor and guide minorities like kind of what we're doing here but I had to talk about that in my like broader impact and that's not something I would necessarily say to a recruiter if I'm applying to an internship that makes sense do you actually think and and we could do it right now or you could do it after but could you actually record yourself reading the sentence or a couple sentences from your personal statement where you say that because i think that that's very yeah. impactful i have i have it here i have it open here so that i don't forget parts that i've so okay in this fellowship specifically you can also bold sentences that you want to really stand out and like stick with the reviewer and these are the two sentences that i have bolded I have three, but I'll, I'll say two of these that I have bolded in my broader impacts section. I put, I will continue to aim towards creating mathematically robust techniques to mitigate security risks in machine learning, because what I'm sticking to is the security of machine learning. And then for, as an educator, I put, I will continue to strive to encourage, mentor, and inspire others like me. And then I backed it up with things that I have actually done as mentorship. So I said that, and then I wrote all the stuff that I did. That's awesome. And I think that helps kind of guide someone because you kind of look up examples of personal statements online, and then you end up drowning in them, right? And it's, they're not always the best examples. Sure, they made it to the internet as star examples, but they are not the ones that actually leave the best impact, right? So it's kind of cool to hear from an, someone who won, you know, or was awarded such a prestigious fellowship to hear what you actually had, right? And how you formulated yeah. it. So that's really nice. And for, for this fellowship, there's actually, there's tons of resources for this fellowship specifically, because it's like the biggest one in the country. And so there's, there's tons of resources and people post their submissions. Like the people who have won can upload them to a website online that you can Google. And I definitely read a couple of those and it did help, but your personal statement has to be really personal. Yeah, that makes sense. So then let's move into that. Can you tell us about some feedback or guidelines that you have, maybe feedback that you got, if you got any feedback and guidelines that you have for your personal statement? Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I have a couple things here. I have five tips that I used for this. And actually the first one is to, is what we just mentioned, which is to read a lot of past winning applications, just to kind of understand the structure of it. 
because for this fellowship, the reviewers are looking for specific things, especially regarding the intellectual merit and broader impact. And I didn't know how to present it. And so reading a lot of examples showed me the structure of the personal statement itself. So yeah, so that's the first one. And then the second one, which is probably the most impactful for this, was to reflect a lot on the path that I took to get to where I am now and talk about that very honestly in the personal statement. And this was difficult for me because, you know, I felt a little vulnerable doing it. And I know that for me, the first thing that comes to mind is to be very thankful for those that have helped me to get to where I am. And so I had a draft where I talked about ballet because I was doing that for so many years and it taught me discipline, even though it wasn't super relevant to academia. And I, or, or I talked about my parents who were both incredibly supportive and really smart and always encouraged me to be creative and curious. And so I tried to put that in there. Or even my advisor, who I've been working with for years and has really taught me everything I know about research and how to conduct research and everything. But when I wrote that and I sent it to my advisor to read, to give me feedback, she told me that it was weak, even though I felt like it was very personal and like I put it all out on that paper. And she said it was weak because it didn't come out as like self-motivating. And so it's not only to reflect on how you got there, but you have to reflect on the internal motivations that got you to where you are instead of external motivations, if that makes any sense. I know I rambled a lot I actually lot would there, like but... to draw. You didn't. You didn't. I actually thought that was, um, that was very good. You were putting together your, your story. I would like to add that this is not a brand new concept. Uh, Shayla might be presenting it in a way that seems new, but you know, we were talking before and this reminds me of the resume problem. When you work in a team or on a group project, you tend to say, we made this project happen. We use this technology, we, we, we. And it's like, well, you know, if I was gonna hire you and your whole team, this is a great resume, but I'm looking at what you did, how you motivated yourself and your team members. And it, it's really hard to make it all about you, especially as a minority or as a female, where we tend to downplay, you know, how much we contributed to our success rather than external factors. It's, it's societal, but it's really good that you had an advisor to tell you, no, 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 <laughs> you know, yeah. this is, this is good feedback. She was like, don't talk about me, talk about you. <laughs> and it was, it was challenging for me too, because I didn't want to come across as I'm just a Hispanic female in STEM. Mm -hmm. So that was really important to me when I was doing this. We have heard the, you only got this opportunity because you're female. And I hate that. That's so disrespectful. And I just, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to like take advantage of that for this, you know? So even though I did include it for, as I mentioned with the broader statement, I want to inspire others like me. Like I want to be that source of representation, but I didn't use it as a front line. But yeah, I think it's it's part of our identity. Like we don't want to have to hide it or whatever, you yeah. know, it, it makes me who I am and it shaped me into the, you know, badass woman that I am. But right. I, I agree with you. It's not the first thing I emphasize because I've heard so many people. It's an obnoxious amount of people tell me I got an opportunity because I'm a girl. We are tangenting so hard. So I'm going to bring us back yeah. and just say that, um, you know, I think, the whole talking about you and your impact, right? Mm -hmm. It's really important, not just for a personal statement, take this for anything you write. You know, um, if you have to do some kind of yearly reviews for your job, 
make sure you focus on what you did. If you have to write a personal statement, what you did, resume, what you did. So I think that this Mm -hmm. is good advice in general. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. And I mean, as I, because I remember I received a pretty good scholarship when I was like a sophomore in undergrad. And I was surprised when I received it because I was like, I applied on a whim. Like I didn't have anybody review my personal statement or anything. But when I look back on it, it was very just me saying my internal motivation. So I, I realized that I did it without anybody telling me. But now that I had to write like a longer personal statement, I really had to reflect more deeply. So I think that that internal motivation instead of external motivation makes a really big difference. I had to write tons of different drafts to figure out how to properly write the correct perspective. And then another tip was to present it as a compelling story. And we talked about this, you know, in the previous episode about telling your story. So you can go listen to that if you want to hear more about that. But I actually watched a masterclass. It was great because he talked about, you know, I had to write three pages of myself. And he talked about writing from the perspective of a character. And I thought that was really helpful for me, where I just pretended like I was a character. And that helped me like shape it into a more story instead of me just rambling on about my accomplishments sprinkled in with some opinions, I guess. Like it helped it form into a more cohesive story. Yeah, give it flow. So that helped me a lot. So, okay, the reason I'm bringing this up is because the masterclass was completely irrelevant to fellowships. It was just how to write a story as an author who writes fiction, you know, but that helped me a lot. So it's... I like that because uh, it, it reminds me of finding inspiration where you least expect it, right? And I, I think that's what you did. You found inspiration where you weren't looking for it. And that's really beautiful. And like I watched, like I didn't go through the whole thing. I watched the ones that I felt were relevant to what I wanted to do. Another one, which is also specific to this fellowship, is that in your personal statement and in the research proposal. You have to talk about your intellectual merit and your broader impact, like I mentioned before. It's very important that you're not redundant and that you don't use the same examples for your intellectual merit and your broader impact. So you can't say, I had one internship for my intellectual merit and that, and then refer to that internship again in your broader impact because it's kind of redundant. At least in all the examples that I read that one and what I ended up doing was I ended up separating like my technical all went into intellectual merit and then mentorship things and tutoring and stuff like that all went into broader impact. And so there was no redundancy there. And that could apply, you know, when again, any scholarship, you don't want to repeat yourself. You don't want to hold on to one experience completely just because it's your strongest and then only talk about that. There are other things like There was one program that I did where I mentored a high school student and it was only for a little bit of time. It was like a couple of weeks that I ended up talking to her. But I included that in my times that I have mentored someone, even though it was short, because it meant a lot to me. Yeah, but it showed the kind of impact that you were interested in. Yeah, exactly. And then the last thing that is very important is to give yourself a lot of time for this fellowship, at least. There are others where the prompt is much shorter and you can get away with only spending a couple days on it. But for this one, requires it requires a lot of work. I actually applied in 2019 and I didn't get it. And I learned a lot from it because I got the reviewer's comments and I was able to find the weak points in my application and then improve it for the second time around. But the first time I applied, I also tried to complete the entire application in a month and that wasn't enough. For this one, I worked on 
the research proposal over the summer as a project for a separate program, but I used that into my research proposal. So I already kind of knew about it probably like six months in advance. And then my personal statement, I spent probably like a month full time working on it. So it takes a lot of time. You need to go through a lot of drafts for it to be something you're proud of and something that will be moving and impactful for the reviewers. So just give yourself more time than you would have even imagined. You'll need it. Well, Shayla, you know, uh, I have to say that I'm super proud of you. I think, you know, uh, I hope, of course, I hope anyone who listens to this podcast is inspired or motivated or a little less fearful to maybe try something that they have an inkling they may not succeed in, but they'll do it anyways. And they're going to do, you know, their hardest. They're going to try their hardest. Um, But you sure inspired me, right? You inspired me to do a little bit more. So I'm very grateful that I have you in, in my network and as a friend. So I, I want to thank you again for giving us the tips. I thought like it was all things that I felt were actionable. You gave me examples. You told me how I could get started, the master class, kind of working based off my story or my resume. So I liked it a lot. And hopefully it helps someone, you know, try something new or apply for a fellowship. So fingers crossed there. And if you guys want to learn more about fellowships or graduate school, um, let us know. Absolutely. That's my jam. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.